0: Hi everyone, Eric here. Welcome to the finale of what has been the most difficult season yet at the Nature of My Game podcast. I can assure you that losing Monty Hog has been hard for all of us, and really put into focus how high the stakes are for our characters at every turn. If a photograph can make the great Monty Hog lose his mind, nothing is safe. I don't have much in terms of updates for you, though I can say that we have some new Patreon content coming your way soon if you're a subscriber. I don't want to commit to an official release date yet, but our playthrough of the Delta Green scenario Night Visions from the Scenario Book Control Group is going through editing as we speak, and the first episode should be released soon. All you have to do is support us at the $5 Hope You Guess My Name tier on Patreon, and you'll gain access to our other Control Group playthroughs, along with some other exclusive audio from NOMG cast members while you wait for Night Visions. If you're enjoying our podcast, we'd love for you to take a moment to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you take a minute to write up a little review as well, that's even better. You can always find out more information and updates on the podcast at NOMG Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Blue Sky and Threads, or at www.nomgpodcast.com. And now, with no more ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy the season finale of Higher Ground.
1: previously on the Nature of My Game podcast.
0: Percy, you arrive back at your apartment and there's a telegram waiting for you. It just lists a time and a location. 10 p.m. at the Tour Saint-Jacques.
2: It's connected. It's always, it's always connected.
0: One of these people has his head on straight. At least he's taking this seriously.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I picture, gotta do everything myself. <laughs> a picture of sanity right now, Mr. Donald Bray. <laughs> <laughs> these
3: two sisters may just be using people as pawns, as mm. just part of the game and just playing everyone against each other.
2: My friend walked the path set out by this Casilda. And he sits in a hospital bed, scribbling, scribbling, scribbling. If that's a force of good, well then I suppose, count me on the other side.
0: Here, put this on. And he hands you a masquerade mask. Ladies and gentlemen, messieurs and mademoiselles, welcome to the auction for the Pearl of the Hyades. All of the gargoyles that are scattered throughout the church, they were perched up high inside the church, leap down onto the crowd to attack. Take these, we'll we'll work out payment later. Cohasset, Massachusetts, July 3rd, 1876. Donald Braith walked the hallways of his family's seaside mansion, looking for something to do. Summer was supposed to be an exciting time for an eight-year-old, but Donald just felt bored. It seemed like there was nothing to do. His sister always told him that by using his imagination, he could take himself anywhere he wanted to be, could do anything he wanted to do, but that always seemed hard for him. No matter what he imagined, he knew deep down that he was still just sitting in his own room. Maybe Cecilia will think of something to do, he thought, and he set off to find his sister. He knocked on her bedroom door and heard her shout for him to come in. As he did, he almost immediately turned around. She was having a tea party, and Donald didn't want to have anything to do with it. But he heard her say, Come in, silly. Sit down and join us. And he decided to stay. He was bored, after all. Cecilia was sitting on the floor with a green ribbon tied in her hair and a smile on her face. She had obviously asked Luther, the brace butler, to bring her one of the family tea sets, because it, too, was sitting on the floor in front of her. All around, Cecilia had placed her stuffed animals as if they were her guests. Donald took a seat across from her. "'Where are we today, see?' Donald asked. He knew his sister liked to pretend that these tea parties were happening all over the world, in far-off lands or anywhere her imagination could take her. "'We're in the court of the king,' she said, matter-of-factly. This didn't mean much to Donald. Which court? Which king? But he didn't question it. "'And who are you?' "'I am one of the daughters of the king. My name is Casilda.' I'm the wiser sister, the one who likes to trick people into doing what I want them to. And guess what, Donald? You get to be the king. She reached behind her, grabbing a paper crown that she had made and handed it to Donald. And today is a special day. The king is choosing which of his daughters is going to be the next ruler. Donald thought he knew where this was headed, but he liked to poke fun at his sister when he could. So who are my other options, he said, laughing. But his sister didn't join his laughter. She looked at him with a deadly serious face. "'You can either choose me or my sister, Camilla. "'Don't you see her, Donald? "'She's sitting right here next to me, "'the one with the red ribbon in her hair.' Donald looked around at the stuffed animals, but didn't see any wearing red ribbons. He was confused and surprised at how serious Cecilia had gotten. He shook his head and told her that he didn't know what she was talking about. Cecilia looked incensed. "'Donald, don't be mean. "'She's right here, right beside me. "'You've met her before.' You know, my friend, Abby. So I feel like we don't normally get to what I believe will be the finale of this season, with a lot with with as many unanswered questions as we still have. But I actually think this is a it's it. it I, I designed not designed. Robin Robin Laws came up with the ideas for the scenario, but it is a, I, I've mentioned this I think at the beginning. This is a scenario spine and not a fully fleshed out scenario. So I did some kind of I did some designing of how I wanted it to to operate. And actually, did it a little bit differently than I would than most I think Yellow King and most Gumshoe scenarios are set up. Often, those are a set of scenes, a set of clues, basically that kind of there's a flowchart and it kind of flows from opening to closing with things in between, and certain scenes lead into other scenes and lead out to other scenes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I set this one up a little bit more like uh, something that's often used in in Pathfinder or D and scenarios. Where there are locations, there are clues, but really the action is driven forward by a set of events that happened at kind of preordained moments. And so, you know, you may be entering this final event with more information or with less information, but the event is coming no matter what, uh, you know. The flight is happening. You know, there are many paths that you could have taken to getting to the flight. There are many paths, whether you could get on the flight or whether you weren't on the flight or whether you were trying to stop the flight or whether you were trying to stop people from stopping the flight, right? Like all of those options are open. But the plan from Radan was always that this flight was going to take off in the morning of October 1st. And so I think those kind of scenarios sometimes lend themselves to not having all the information kind of going into the conclusion of the scenario. So I think it's only right for you all to get a chance to give some thoughts about what you think is going on, what you think is going to happen uh, before we dive into you know where this is eventually going to lead us.
2: If if it wasn't for the Nadar Radon thing, and the picture of him looking exactly like he did when he was 25, all signs would be pointing to this guy being some sort of like not necessarily like, oh, it's all fake, it's all just nonsense, but like, all signs would point to this guy being like, he was just trying to get a lot of money. He even says to Percy, like, I really just wanted to get the most money for this. Now that that's not to say he wasn't ordained with the mission and then was like, hey, I'll th- on top of it if I could make some money. But like, I thought maybe there was like oh, let's get all of these, the set amount of souls together that we have to sacrifice to power this, whatever, like thought it was something along those lines. But knowing that he really was just like trying to get the richest people in the in Paris in a room and get them to pay top dollar if he's being honest which it sounded like he was that suggests the guy might be a little bit of a fraud but also there's a picture of him that makes that made the other guy think like time travel is almost assuredly happening <laughs> there's so, like, little doubt in my mind that time travel is real <laughs> yeah, like so it's hard it's hard to just completely be like oh this it's not like a red herring but I, I'm I'm curious now as to like how involved this guy is with like the 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 Casilda Camilla game, or if he's if like going to the place or be like the wind spirits or like if that's more and he's just kind of like a patsy who's gotten involved here. Like, does he know more or does he not know more? Yeah, I,
4: I think after what just happened with the gargoyles. It feels like he is sort of a side plot to this broader Casilda Camilla feud, and one of them was behind that happening, yes, yes. and somehow that was foiling the other one. But why, I still can't really piece together. Like, I don't think there's like class warfare, and Casilda was trying to get all the richest people in Paris in the room to take him down a peg or something like that. Like, that, that, like, Connection isn't clear to me still of why they care about this
2: guy. Our leftist icon, Casilda.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's really been my whole goal this whole yeah. time is, is to turn Gazilda into the, the Bernie Sanders figure. I'm yeah,
4: <laughs> yes. Who has also taken a liking to a Vanderbilt brat for yeah. some reason. <laughs> yeah.
1: What's the name of like the the French woman who's like the figure of the revolution? La Marianne.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, <it's> just... <laughs> yes, that's
0: her. Like Gazilda. Yeah.
1: I don't have any idea what's going on. Like Manu knows nothing, <laughs> and like Sarah knows a tiny bit more. Than her, but like not much. Um, I don't think Radon knows very much at all. I think he's like a ridiculous fool that's upon, and I don't even know. I don't even think he knows that like the ship looks different to different people, for example.
2: I, I, and I don't know if this is just like Twin Peaks bleeding into my theory, theorizing, <laughs> but like I wonder because like I'm thinking of the ring, right? Like the ring that she gave that the doctor had that I had, uh, that she said, like, take the ring with you. Like, could it be? Theoretically, like she, Camilla could be the one behind the gargoyles because, like, maybe if Donald's there, but he's wearing the ruby red ring, maybe the gargoyles don't attack him. Like, the, and that is 100% yeah. just like Owl Ring, Black Lodge, Twin Peaks stuff. But, like, maybe, maybe that could have been the case. Like, maybe the ring is like a, a protector or a signet or something from her forces. And maybe she thought like he'd be there. Like, but that's that might be tilting at windmills a little bit.
0: It's the lamb's blood. It's the the lamb's blood on the door. On so the door, yeah. The Exodus, yeah. <laughs> yes.
4: Yeah. I, I also wonder if Percy was always the only one who was going yeah, to be at yeah. the auction, or if you know if it really just was was just about his money, or if there's something else going on because he's really the only one with the Casilda tie right now too. So if that's what did it and not the money, we wouldn't really have any way to tell the difference.
2: Was Eric? I guess we could uh, you. You could say no, and I know you're already looking like you're gonna say no, <laughs> I'm not answering that. But was there a chance that Monty, Manu and Donald were at that auction?
0: There's a chance for everything.
2: Uh, like you could have
1: told us you got that invitation. Like you saw it and you assumed that it was from Casilda. And so you didn't tell us, but you could have been like, oh my God, Manu, I got the invitation. Like, come with me.
4: That's true. Would the bouncer have just turned you away at the door and said only him?
1: Hard to say.
4: Who
3: can say?
1: Yeah.
4: Who can say?
3: Manu has her ways, yep. though. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> She's <should have laughs> she dealt there. with plenty of plenty of bouncers before. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Tom? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm kind of with the group insofar as it seems very difficult to tell what's going on. The gargoyle's attacking the group, the the group, etc. And obviously, um, Radon's surprised at this. Uh, yeah. I uh, to me, it just seems like it's. That Radon and his whole situation was set up by one of the two sisters, most likely, and the gargoyle thing was caused by the other. And I still don't know enough to—I I don't know who's on which side of that. Um, and I—I I still don't know that that even matters necessarily. <clears throat> like it could have been one or the other, and like like I feel like at this point both sisters are responsible for terrible shit in their... Yeah, I
2: don't think there's a good guy and a bad guy.
3: Right, in their pursuit of winning the game against the other. So, that's, I mean, that's as far as I know in terms of what's going on. I don't think, no one was ever making it to a star out in the, yeah.
5: <laughs> out in the <laughs> yeah, night sky. No, no, I think no.
3: there's a possibility that there is like time travel involved. There's a possibility that if you get on that ship with him, you'll either be transported to a different time or perhaps more likely go to some sort like, Carcosa or some sort of otherworldly, like, place like that Mm -hmm. instead and that he thinks that that's the star but it's not it's just Carcosa Mm. but yeah that's about all of my speculation
0: all right um so we're going to dive back in and I think we're going to pick back up basically where we left off with Radon handing Percy four of the six tickets he was holding up and then running off into the night to hide as he said poor guy
5: hmm
4: I think Percy lets him go and immediately wants to go back to Donald and Manu. So I think he sets off toward Sacrecar and just plans to wait for them near there. But he's not going to go all the way in, like in the gates or anything like that, where they saw Radon before, because I think he thinks that's also going to be under some sort of surveillance.
2: Mm hmm. Yeah, I think they, it's possible that they're just kind of... They've been wandering. Because it doesn't seem like that yeah. took a ton of time. So that they would just kind of be there and they would pass and they would see Percy and be like, hmm, there yeah, he is. Yeah, I think,
0: I think the three of you kind of do run into each other. Sorry, go ahead, sir. Sorry, there was one
1: thing I wanted... While we were wandering around, like, Manu wants to know mm-hmm. what this looks like to other people. So as they're asking... You know, they were, like, trying to talk to the police about the murder, right? And just ask around if people had mm-hmm. seen... I think she is just like... And, and have you seen it? Have you seen the this this ship? Can you tell us what it looks like? Like, she wants to just hear from people.
0: Yeah, I think you get a variety of answers. I think you get all three answers that you've heard so far. Mm, okay,
1: I want to figure out, like, like, me, Sarah, I want to know like why it looks this way to some people.
0: Yeah. Um, so-, so I think Percy does rush up and I think uh, finds the two of you kind of wandering around, doing the best you can to find an invitation
4: in vain.
2: Eventful evening, Mr. Vanderbilt?
1: <gasps> Your face! What has happened to you?
4: Yes, yes, I, I had a brush with a few hideous gargoyles. That However, I took all care up. of
5: them. <laughs> <laughs>
2: what? Did you sh- shoot them in the cheek?
4: L- let's just say they, they came off much worse than I did. Of, of course, of course. And Of course. I did have a meeting with our friend, Mr. Radan, and he pulls out the tickets. <gasps> Very well. Where is he now? He He ran away. He ran... Ran into hiding. He said people were looking for him. I, it was, well, it seemed to be as some sort of a masquerade ball of some sort. And then the auction began very suddenly. And you are- the gargoyles descended from the ceiling and panic broke out. And he ran away. And so I followed him. I wasn't running, shall we say. And again, I took care of as many gargoyles as I possibly could to defend the good, wealthy <laughs> people of Paris. But I had a more important task and I followed Mr. Radon.
1: You are at the, the auction?
4: Yes. Well... Sort of the auction never really began
1: I, I do not understand. How did you find yourself at the auction?:
4: Well, I received a telegram, an, an invitation of sorts. I wasn't sure that's what it was, but I you know, I went anyway. I didn't think it was the type of thing that would concern either of you. Um, you
1: did not you think know, a chance that to... the auction would, <laughs> would concern either of us When did you receive no, no, the I, telegram? I...
4: I had no idea it was going to be the auction. I simply I simply thought it was a, a chance, as usual, to rub shoulders with the the elite in society of Paris.
1: Manu really just, like, awkwardly stares at him, like, makes him feel uncomfortable for, like, <laughs> receiving this and not telling them.
4: Uh, don't, don't don't worry. Through my my heroism and daring do, Mr. Radon has rewarded me with several tickets. I didn't even have to pay.
1: What's luck think, for us? <laughs> I
2: think Donald puts his arm around Percy like kind of slowly and just like a couple slaps and then a, a good squeeze of the shoulder muscle and then he's like <laughs> <laughs> he leans in and just gives him a no more secrets Mr. Vanderbilt and a slap on the back again and he takes one of the tickets and it just turns to the two of them and says did uh, Radon say where where we shove off from tomorrow
0: I think he, 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 yeah, he he would have told you that you're leaving early in the morning, like 6 a.m. from the Eiffel Tower.
4: Yes, uh, we're leaving early in the morning, 6 a.m. from the Eiffel Tower.
2: <laughs> then I suppose we'll convene there? Yes, yes. Manu, do you need a walk home?
1: Oh, yes, that would be, that would be lovely, Donald, thank you. How does one prepare for a, an adventure such as we shall have?
0: He, he did not say. You refresh your preparedness pool.
1: <laughs> Any supplies that I should acquire or should bring for the journey? Or...
4: No, no, Manu. I'll, I'll bring supplies for you. Don't worry. <laughs> He's going to walk into like an REI and spend $8,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> Is he going to bring a Clothes? <laughs> <Like, Yeah. yeah. laughs> <Well,
1: laughs> shall I bring un- a valise? A suitcase? I. A camera? I
2: think. Yes. <laughs> like... Yes, I suppose so. Yeah, I think that Donald is just kind of like unplugged, but he's he's willing he's gonna walk Manu home if she'll have him do it. Like if she's okay with that. Yeah, she's mad at mm. Percy,
1: definitely
2: you can. Yeah, he'll kinda revel in that a little <laughs> bit, I'm sure, I have a little bit of a little bit of joy from it.
0: Yeah, what's the what's the conversation like?
2: Uh, I can't imagine it's great. <laughs> I not <don't> imagine like, <laughs> he's he I can't imagine he's sweet talking her. I think he's you know, he's like are you sure you're you're all right? I I certainly have no doubt as to your your hardiness. You've proven yourself time and time again to be well, more than capable, but I do I do worry. Are you all right?
1: That is sweet of you, Donald. Of course I do appreciate you asking. But yes I am I am all right. It's we must see this thing through. The people of Paris they are, are depending on us, no?
2: Oh what poor poor luck for them, huh?
1: And, and Donald, are you all right?
2: (sighs) Yes, Manu, I, I think so. I hope so. I, I don't have much option.
1: (laughs) Shall we check on Monty before we leave?
2: I don't know if I can, if I can face him right now. I just wanted to make sure you made it home safe.
1: Thank you, Donald. I, I hope that you get some rest and uh, I shall see you in, in the morning.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. And she goes to walk and like, I think he probably like, uh, Manu.
1: She like turns dramatically, Men. like,
2: yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, rest well.
1: You as well, done it.
2: So he walks. And then he does, by himself, go to the hospital mm-hmm. to see his buddy. Yeah. To sit there. And he's just. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Catatonic. <laughs> it's and he so just. Sad. Uh, he's sitting at his bedside and just kind of like staring off into space. And, ah, uh, Monty, I. It was right on the tip of my tongue. Would you like to get a drink sometime? <laughs> Simple. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> I just...
5: That's what he's I couldn't
1: thinking do it.
2: about. <laughs> 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 I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I could have. <laughs> if you were there with me. I, I would have if you were there with me, but you're here. I'm going to get on that ship. And I'm going to get to the bottom of this and I will make sure somebody somewhere pays for what's happened to you, my friend. We'll speak again soon. Squeeze his hand, goes back home.
0: Uh, Percy, Manu, any last things before you head off to bed?
4: No, I think Percy can't wait. He's curious. He's also a little bit shook up, but... Sure, sure.
1: Manu is like, she's excited, um... But she is a little worried about what to pack. Like, not even in a necessarily a frivolous sense. She's like, I will bring a knife and I will bring some matches and I will, you know, and like a camera. But she does feel a bit, you know, they're diving into this unknown thing. So feels unprepared.
2: Don't I worry, just, Percy's getting supplies. <laughs> yeah,
5: yeah, good riddance.
2: It'll all be Percy's, fine. She's Percy's going to show up with a piff helmet, and like a big blunderbuss, and like yes. a big bags. So like he's going, yep. he's going on alien safari. She's not
1: <laughs> loving Percy at the moment, but like she's genuinely, like, actually, really mad that he didn't tell them about the telegram, and not just because she wanted to go to the party and she didn't get to go. Though so that is a large part of it. Um,
0: Even though there were gargoyles there.
1: Oh yeah, she's like, I don't, you didn't know that when you didn't tell us, like, uh, sure, (laughs) like, she doesn't, she's just, like, really put out that, like, they were supposed to be doing this thing together, and, like, she doesn't trust him at all now.
4: I um, didn't think think it was going to be the auction.
1: Well, then he's dumb. He got a telegram
0: telling <laughs> him where to be. Like,
1: cannot be relied on.
4: He's dumb and
0: you're dumb, Chris. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's this is what no. it feels
2: like to be on the other end <laughs> no, of that, Chris. Now you yeah. know. Now you know what I'm going through. It. going to show up at I your door it. that night. <laughs> no, she's really now mad. you know I'm Just, Just silently,
3: silently stare at you the entire
2: time. <laughs> she's really,
1: really mad, so...
2: I, it's kind of funny from this side. I will admit, I, it's nice to see the the aggression go elsewhere. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> she really wanted to be there.
1: Wanted <laughs> to the charm her way into a ticket. and Now you just got it for free.
4: S- Percy is, is the blinded. The world. <laughs> yeah. blinded Once by again. his attention on another
2: woman, which probably doesn't make the situation any <laughs> better. <That doesn't>
1: <laughs> no, certainly not.
2: <laughs> Once again, the one percent has benefited.
1: To find a new patron, like maybe actually know what she'll do. This maybe she won't. <laughs> this is t- terrible. She's going to encourage Percy to write some poems about her. And then he's going
0: <laughs> to And <then> he's going <laughs> to die.
5: die.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Use your do scooping yeah. your business as a weapon. Yeah. All right, so the morning dawns on October 1st. It is once again a gloomy cloudy, rainy day in Paris. As, it, as if as if, the weather knows uh, what's been happening in Paris mm. recently. And I imagine that Donald and Percy and Manu all arrive before 7 o'clock, whether eager or anxious uh, with anticipation. Um, definitely anticipatory. And so they arrive there. There is a... There's another couple that seem to be standing there talking to Radon. They're in their 30s. They both are incredibly well-dressed. But I think, Percy, it's you that has fashion, right? Do you also have fashion, Manu? Ah, I do have fashion. (laughs) No. I've been waiting to use fashion. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It
1: doesn't make sense that I don't, but I do not.
0: Well, (laughs) so I think, Percy, you... You can tell that that they're trying. Th- these are like these are like their best clothes, right? Some of the accessories don't line up with the actual mm-hmm. outfits they're wearing. So it seems like they're trying to present as as wealthier uh, as wealthier than they actually are. This this couple um, that is speaking with Radon, but they seem to have two tickets in their hand as well.
2: Hmm six tickets there you go
0: yep
4: we still have an unused ticket right? you do you do
0: that's <laughs> yeah, true you
2: didn't know
4: Could have um, just given so it you... to a random person so do you do you walk up yes
0: yeah and radon says ah oh, my friends so glad that you've arrived uh Monsieur vanderbilt i believe we have a a discussion to have about recompense for these tickets and is your fourth Friend, uh, Monsieur Hogg, joining you as well. Is he? Is he on his way?
4: Ah, oh, no, he he will not be joining us. He um, he has a great fear of heights. He's just no longer interested in this sort of thing. And as as far as payment goes, I believe the Vanderbilt name is good enough, and you won't need anything more.
0: Well, I I, I would at least like a a down payment. Uh, who knows? Perhaps you've frittered away all of your money at this point. I, I, could, I can't be too careful, you know. At least, at least something to 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 show your uh, show your intent.
4: Yes, yes, perhaps just a taste. But I find this all a, a bit gauche. And he takes out like quite a large sum of money, and you can a see million it's, just dollars. A, <laughs> it's just a sliver of the bills in his wallet, <laughs> yeah. and it's like ten thousand dollars or something, and hands it to gauche.
1: him. Didn't he say that they were disgust. free?
4: No, he no. said we'll discuss price.
1: Oh, okay.
4: Yeah, I mean and they, he he was planning to auction them
0: off for for thousands of dollars.
1: No, I know that, but then he gave the four. I thought it was a, like thanks for helping me escape.
4: No, it was nah. a, it was a we'll talk payment later. <laughs> talk, so yeah. I got to get out of here. No, no, the was like he
1: lied again. He said they were free.
4: <laughs> I think Percy turns to him and says kind of slyly like I see Mr. Radon in the past 12 hours or so, you found a place to hide?
0: I did, yes. And I I have no doubt that I that I won't be needing to hide much longer after we are on well on our way to Aldebaran.
2: Donald is just staring at him. He hasn't spoken, <laughs> he hasn't said anything. When he said Monty Hogg, like, he got a little madder. But, like, if Radon has looked in the direction of Donald at all, he's probably, like, uncomfortable, because Donald is staring an angry hole through <laughs> this guy and not speaking.
0: It doesn't so. seem like Radon notices. <laughs> okay. Monsieur Vanderbilt, will you be requiring the th- the fourth ticket, or may I have it back? You've given me enough for three.
4: I believe I say how many I've give you enough for. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he tears it up right there, tears oh, the, okay. the pe- cardboard ticket.
0: He like reaches out to stop you, and he's like, "Never mind. Uh, we should be going. Uh, if you if you join me on on the Pearl, we can get set to go."
2: So they go. I. Donald just goes on, I guess, I, wherever the pathway is. have to, like,
1: climb is. up? Like, it's...
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there a ramp? Yeah, you,
0: you all kind <laughs> of board in whatever way it seems like you should board, right? So, Manu, it feels like you're all crawling to the top to, like, stand up on the flying fish. Whereas for the other two of you, you're, like, crawling into a large basket.
1: <laughs> is everyone, like... To my view, is everyone all just like sitting on top in the same place?
0: Yeah, there's like a platform up there with like a, it's almost like a basket to you up on the top. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a saddle with walls. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, but big enough for all of you, and you're all just kind of standing up in there.
3: He just tie you to the side of the fish. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so
2: I think when Donald boards, he probably harkens back to the conversation to Camilla telling him to get on board the ship and like to take the ring. Mm-hmm. So I think that all of the that information, he just kind of slides the ring onto his finger. He had it in his pocket. The new one, not the severed finger ring. The one okay. that she gave him. <laughs> the
0: one you got, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: He slides that onto his pinky or his ring finger or whatever, and it's just kind of, you know, idly sort of spinning it in between his fingers and still has not taken eyes off Redon.
1: Does he have the other ring with him? Uh,
2: probably, right? It's probably just in his pocket. Like, I mean, he probably has changed his slacks, I would hope, over three days. But if he's just got like a little satchel, then yeah, no, he's still got both rings. Cool. Okay, I have
4: a, a metagame question. What is yeah. intuition?
0: Uh, you, ha- you are able to occasionally pick up clues just based on the feel of the moment. It's the most ambiguous of the abilities.
4: Hmm. Because I'm curious if Percy perceives anything wrong about this. Since he's been so close to the to Radon and to the planning of this whole thing, finally Mm -hmm. had the tickets in his hand, etc. Does this feel like what he expected or does it seem wrong?
0: I think the sense that you get is that Radon is trying to go quickly. Hmm. Like he didn't really push back about with you tearing the ticket. Yeah, the two people that are with you don't seem like the type of people he was targeting to sell these tickets to. Like, there's <laughs> no way they could have afforded what you just paid uh, for the tickets. I think so. Percy it seems goes like he's like that. he's he's um, kind of he's changing his plans. It seems like
4: I think Percy goes up to those two people and sort of says, "Hello, Percy Vanderbilt. I believe you've probably heard of me.
0: Who are you?" Yes, we are the Girous.
4: And how Madame did you and Monsieur become, how did you get so lucky as to join us all on this adventure?
0: Oh well, we we were very lucky. We 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 like many others submitted our application to be invited to the auction, but we we were not so lucky. And then we were out this morning uh, on our daily errands, and we happened to run into Monsieur Rodan, and he he told us that he had two tickets available. It was quite a steep price, but. How can you put a price on an adventure like this one? So we, we went home. We gathered everything we had, and we, we bought the tickets. Hmm.
4: A normal person would feel like they had just been cheated out of their money, but I don't think Percy cares. Because like, you, know, That's you assume radar. when they
0: say everything they had, you mean everything they had on hand. Yes, right, exactly. Yeah, they opened their wallets
4: and pulled out eight thousand dollars, like yeah, he did. And exactly. that was it.
1: I think Manu overhears this, and she's gonna poke in and be like, oh. and what is it uh, that you are hoping to to get from this journey? Everyone has well, their uh, reasons, no?
0: An opportunity to experience something that no one else has ever experienced, of course. What are you hoping to get from it? I imagine the same.
1: We are of the same mind.
0: Yes. And I think at that Radon claps his hands and the craft starts moving upward into the air.
2: Nuts. Here we go.
0: Are you all just kind of standing around taking in the views? Yeah, I think
2: I'm still got watching. eyes locked on Radon. Yeah, <laughs> so is so is Percy. So you
0: you kind of start taking off, and it starts kind of like what you would expect Nadar's uh, like trip on the balloon for tourists would be. You're like getting a nice circle of the city, and then. You kind of, you pass by the Eiffel Tower again and you realize how high you are. You're you're almost at the tip of the Eiffel Tower. And then the craft starts moving away from the city, kind of out toward the countryside. And you're also still ascending. You're going higher than you've seen the craft go in the past. And I think Percy and Donald, you notice that Radon seems... A little confused a little surprised he's kind of like looking around and like seeing how high you are and it seems taken aback
2: and i think donald will probably like hit percy probably too hard to draw his <laughs> attention and kind of do like i had not like this are you seeing what i'm seeing and we'll look at him and say and say like i don't think he has any idea what he's doing i i think you're
4: right something is not what he expected is the, uh, the pilot guy with him?
0: Yes, yes. He's, oh, okay. he's the one steering the craft,
2: it seems.
1: Yeah. How does one steer a
5: fish?
2: <laughs> 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 so I think no, no sudden movement because, like, it's not, like, I think Donald does know, like, if he goes ape, like, it's going to be a real problem here. So he's purposely not, like, speaking or putting himself in a situation like that, but definitely m- tracking that he's, Radon looks confused.
0: Then you go higher... And at this point, you're almost, you're almost in the clouds. You've gone so high. Paris looks small down below you, and this, you know, it feels like this is probably not what any of you were expecting to experience on this. Craft. Is it
1: not? Like, I feel like Manu. It's like. <laughs> This man told us we're going to did the Manu stars. Did Manu think it was
0: really going to the stars? I don't know.
1: Like, she thought it was <laughs> going Donald up high. Didn't. Like, she's going did to get Sarah her.
4: Sarah think that? She's going to get that, her well, jacket. Sarah definitely thought that. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> she goes to her bag and, like, takes out a jacket because it's getting cold out there. And, like, she's like, oh, like, did. <laughs> she's also like, if she sees the other two of her group looking confused, she's like, what did you expect? Like, what? Where did you think that we were going?
2: i still not sure we, we know where we're going in this moment. Up, I suppose. Up. And then you you see
0: Radon walk over to the pilot and like tap him on the shoulder, and they're having like a somewhat heated conversation. He, and Radon's like, like he's he's gesturing like, what is happening?
2: So I think Donald will will move closer to see if he can hear the conversation at all. To see like, is there uh, anything he can pick up?
0: Uh, yeah, I think you hear Radon say, "This this isn't what we talked about. Where where are you taking us? I, I didn't even know this thing could go this high. What? Swing back around." I, I, I need to get off,
2: Monsieur Radon. You seem frightened. Is this not the proper path to the stars you had laid out?
0: Oh no, no! Everything is everything is just fine. We're it's just uh not the not the route that I thought we were going to be taking. Uh, we might need to circle back around the tower and uh, head the other way. But uh, don't worry about it. We'll get it figured out.
2: So I think Donald leans closer to Radon, and again, I'm sure everyone can hear him, but he's saying it just to him, and he's just like, Radon, who put you up to this? Was it Casilda, or was it Camilla? Your answer matters very, very, very much.
0: I, I'm not really sure what you're talking about, I, I, I no one put me up to this i i i built this craft and 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 it just we just need to change routes and he like reaches and grab like tries to grab for the like steer it's kind of like a steering wheel like on a pirate ship and he like reaches to like try to wrestle it away from the from the pilot and the pilot like hits him hits him with his elbow um and to try to knock him back and they're kind of like grappling for the steering wheel
2: i think Donald looks back to, to Percy, like, this might, we might have to intervene here. This seems like a thing. Like, what is happening here? And then I think Donald is like, do you, are, do you need assistance, Monsieur Radon? You seem very unsettled.
0: Percy knew anything you're doing in this moment? Yeah. Sarah looks so confused. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, because I didn't... <laughs> I didn't know what to. Obviously, we can't go to the stars, right? That's ridiculous. But that people are surprised that we are going up in the sky. It's like, well, what did you think we were going to do?
2: I don't think Donald and, and Percy are so much surprised. I think Radon is the one who's yeah. surprised, and they're yeah. tracking that he's surprised. Like, I don't yes. think they had any expectation of, like, where or how. Like, I, don't, I wouldn't say, like, Donald's surprised they're up high. I think they figured, yeah, we'll go high and. I think, but Radonk I I is definitely like.
1: What did he? But
2: he's definitely is, surprised. Yeah, and that's what they're. Yeah, that's what.
1: But then it's like, what was he planning done. to do? Get the money and then what? Then kill everyone? Yeah, like and then,
2: what? <laughs> no, probably just so he'd be like, oh, we couldn't. The wind was too high. Like you take just a, a scammer, right. Yeah, or like t- or take them on like a
4: little balloon ride, and then you've seen the magic of the stars, and then mm-hmm. you know, yeah, drop or, like them there's somewhere to
2: go. Like he, go he has set up money. like a fake, pl- like yeah, like. Some kind of scam thing. And I think that like we're seeing him be like, oh shit. You saying Radon was going to fake the moon landing? He was going to fake
5: the cool.
3: Stanley Kubrick's waiting. What what do the two random people on? Yeah. on
5: they're, the just balloon like, balloon they're just like they're just like
4: holding each other. They're just like
0: holding each other and like with, with worried looks on their faces. And I think as Donald says, Do you need assistance? I think Radon looks back at him and says, "No, no, uh, uh, I'm sure quite sure everything's all right." And then all three of you see that the pilot like reaches into his coat, like he, he's wearing kind of like a you know like a trench coat type thing, reaches into his coat and pulls out a scythe, which should not <laughs> be able to have fit underneath his coat and what? just kind of like flicks it backwards and Radon's head comes right off. <laughs>
1: My neck and it th- falls
0: to the ground. Go oh, wow. ahead, yes, sir. I
1: was gonna be like, I'm gonna go talk to the driver and be like, is there a problem? But I'm very glad I didn't do that.
0: Yes, and all of you see that Radon's head hits the ground, and both where his where where his neck has been severed on the body and on the head, you see clockwork pieces that are kind of falling apart as his body then falls to the ground. Um, so wow. I'm going to need you all to make
4: composure tests. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Why ever would we need that?
2: <laughs> uh, um, let me, let oh me, let me, real God. quick decide what composure test I want you to make. Hold on. Man got his head cut off and is a clock. Composure. <laughs> <test>. <laughs> I feel like we it's
3: are like venturing chart. into weird QAnon territory now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's
2: he's actually a replacement he's drone. He's yeah. a robot man. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen Hillary Clinton in the last three years? I haven't. <laughs> I think we're
0: gonna go with the uh, with the situation. Things go from bad to worse. <laughs> ah, yes. How's that so. one sound?
4: <laughs> they, they don't have a specific situation for man decapitated and his body is made of <laughs> clocks.
1: <in there>. <laughs> <laughs> was not. right. Um, I don't think uh, I can spend new... anything. Like
0: okay, I, <laughs> yeah, you were not prepared.
1: I, she has never seen things like this. Um, so got a two
4: okay uh percy i think i'm gonna spend three i have four i don't think i could justify spending all of it just because it is really weird and unsettling but i think in some ways it's comforting to percy that this solves a couple of mysteries all at once yeah um the clock thing is kind of weird but i think he had a feeling something was gonna happen here and as particularly after last night so i don't think this is super shocking
0: okay go ahead and roll I rolled a three, so a six. Okay, Um, and Donald.
2: So I have four. I think I definitely will have spent some because I think that he is in his most, like, just, like, whatever, um, like, almost black hole of of nothingness going on. And Mm -hmm. I think that he definitely thought that something was up. And I honestly think, and this is both player and character, the next move, if this continued to escalate and he was continuing to dodge his question was, Brandish the sword cane, ask Camilla Casilda again, and if he didn't give an answer, probably just run him through. Kay. Like he was ready to to, to kill Radon, like he, he doesn't care anymore. So yeah. I think I can justify a spend of three with that. Yeah. yeah, I like it, I like it. So I'm gonna roll and press the wrong button so that I accidentally clicked on a pop-up. Uh, roll a six plus three, so a nine. Nice. Ooh, wow. Yeah, he's very composed right now. And he's fucking pissed that Monty went crazy over a robot man.
5: Pissed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So um, both Percy and Donald are prepared for this, but poor Manu is not. Um, Mm. And so you're going to take a major shot card here because you failed by more than one. Um, You are going to take the shot card, Time to Panic. So let me read that out to you. Minus one to focus tests. Make a tick mark whenever another PC succeeds at a test. Start over on any failure. Discard when you have three tick marks. So you will only stop panicking when you've seen three successful things done by your companions bef- without seeing a failure. So you need to see success at, at thwarting whatever it is that's happening to um, to get out of this. What do you all do when you see Radon's head hit the ground and the clockwork, the springs and gears start start uh, falling out?
4: A mirthless chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> What is this guy doing? The the driver? Is he, like, Good facing up. us with the side, Or did the he just go Reaper. back to operating? <laughs> yeah.
0: he, ba- he barely even looked at Radon. He just kind of reached in, swung it out, and then continued to drive.
4: <laughs> That's the, other, the, 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 the couple is
0: screaming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Manu is <laughs> like, oh
1: Oh, mon dieu! Like, yeah, Manu has to be
0: screaming. And
5: she's like,
1: Percy, like, go and see who that man is, like... <laughs>
2: I think that Manu screaming and panicking probably snaps Donald out of this is like a Mr. Cool thing. And he like turns to her and it's like, Manu, Manu, are you all right? Are you all no, right? I am
1: not all right. This man is a club. No. What is going on? No. Who is in charge? <laughs> it is not him. It is this driver. Who is this man? Who is in charge? And here? Meanwhile,
0: you, meanwhile, you can barely like you can barely make out any of Paris now. Like you're so high that uh, it's just like little little blotches down below you where Paris was.
1: He's like, we, we, we are fools. We have never checked on the driver. He was here all along. We never thought to ask him who he is.
2: We are, we are, we are fools. You are, you are right. <laughs> I should have. Some of us, some of us are fools.
1: You go ask him, Percy. You find out who he is.
2: <laughs> Donald just gives him a look like, you motherfucker. <laughs> still, still, <laughs> still. You can bring your fencing
1: sword. He is nothing after gargoyles, no?
2: Yeah, I think Percy
4: draws his knife here. Okay. And Kind of turns toward the, the guy, the Grim Reaper. <laughs> Do you say anything to him? He's not looking at you. What is, who is this guy? Just give him an on guard. He's been there this whole time.
1: We never even, like, I don't even know what he looks like.
4: Hmm. I think Percy just, who are you working for? He's he trying to sound respond. Oh, macho. Yeah, of course he doesn't respond. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and then Donald, you hear a voice in your head that just says, thank you. Donald, and you're quite sure that it's Camilla.
2: So I think what knowing that, and knowing that, like, he he you know, he said his goals are his own and all that stuff. And like, he thinks, I think he like takes Manu by the arms and says, I know, I know, I know it doesn't seem that way. I know it seems everything is wrong and everything is broken and everything is upside down, but we are together and we are okay. We are okay, and I will not let anything happen to you. I promise. I will not let anything happen to you.
1: Yes, Donald. I think you. I believe you. But I, it is not only us that I am worried for. This is supposed to be bigger than us, no? What does this mean for the people of Paris?
2: Right now, the four of us are on this ship. And that's all we can worry about. That's all. I agree. This might have larger consequences, but we need to be strong, which I know you can be. And we need to get through this. And we will. We will. Through... For whatever means necessary. And he looks back at Percy like, what are you doing here, buddy? Are you helping out? <laughs> Why are you? You just asked who he's working for. He didn't answer. Ask again.
0: And at that moment, Donald, you feel the ring on your finger start to heat up. And then it starts to get really hot. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden,
2: the ring explodes.
0: What is What is that?
2: I did not have my hand on my new shoulder
0: anymore.
2: <laughs> Her hair's on fire.
0: The ring explodes, and all of you are kind of blasted away from the craft. What? And you start falling.
1: Just in the air.
0: It's hard to tell because you were just you were just in the you were just in the blast of a bomb, and so we're going to need rolls here. To avoid what?
3: injury cards. <laughs> injury? injury cards. I know. <laughs> yeah.
5: How do you, Bumps her
1: elbow.
3: Don't around. worry, I rolled a little before we hit the ground from <laughs> the a mile up. Yeah. I was fine. I was Percy fine.
1: Percy scratches her with his knife.
4: Percy, Percy bought a bunch of parachutes at REI last <laughs> night. Yeah, yeah Luckily,
2: fine. A lot of tarps. My new
1: dress is like a. <laughs> Bell. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's the Princess Peach.
0: <laughs> what? All right, uh, so <laughs> so, so before we do this, let me do a quick check in. Uh, who has injury cards and how many?
2: I have one. I have the blood uh, blood palsy. So blood palsy. Extreme pain this whole time. Okay. Uh, Manu,
1: I have one shock card.
4: That's it. But no injury cards. Okay, and Percy. I have one of each. I have Gargoyle Strike and I have Pity. Okay.
1: <laughs> Funny combo.
0: All right. So we're going to roll a check against Exploding Bomb. <laughs> so I need, uh, I need, this is going to be an athletics check. Um, and let's, let's start with, let's start with Manu. Okay. Would you like to spend anything on your athletics check?
1: Yeah, I have three. So I think I'll probably just spend it all. And But I guess I have to justify it. Ooh.
0: It's saving your life. I think is is yeah, uh, and, like, sufficient. Yeah, I'm kind of cool
2: Waved.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she's jumped out of so many trees in her life.
2: Yeah. <laughs> her yeah. The dress is very parachute-like.
1: Okay. The speech was yeah, rousing. I, I think you
2: you basically
0: you <laughs> yeah. basically you basically are just trying to like you saw it start to explode and you just like tried to throw yourself away.
1: Okay. Oh, sorry. I have to roll. Now, Go ahead. And roll. No.
4: Goodbye. <laughs> Five, eight. All right. Okay. All right. Eight all right. total. <clears throat> All right, uh, Percy. Okay, I have a question. Has an interval passed (laughs) since Percy got his card? Oh, so I can roll a die, and if it's even, then I can discard Gargoyle Strike. Okay. (laughs) Can I do that first? Yes. It's a two. Okay, so
0: you discard Gargoyle Strike. You heal the Gargoyle Strike overnight.
2: (laughs) Right in that moment. Is that
1: a successful (laughs) task? A successful test?
0: Uh, that is a successful,
4: t- uh, n- no, it's not a successful
0: mm. test. Because it's not a no. test, yeah, it's yes. a condition. Okay.
2: Yeah, okay. that's true.
4: So that's that's good, because I only have one athletics to spend, so I'm going to spend the one. And I rolled a right, five. go ahead and roll.
0: So a six total?
4: Yes. That's a success. All
0: right, success. a six total. That is a success, yes. So go ahead and you can check your box there. All right. And Donald.
2: Zero athletics. One oh, injury no. card. Okay. Oh, baby. Two. Two? Mm-hmm.
0: Alright, so this bomb goes off, and the three of you, along with the pilot, and the couple that was in there, and Radon's body...
2: (laughs) Radon's robot body.
0: ...are flung out of the craft, and you start to plummet to the ground, and we black out. No! And the scene opens back up, there's a crowd around the base of the Eiffel Tower. People are people are talking frantically. The craft has actually fallen and hung itself and it's it's like draped over the Eiffel Tower. And you, we start scanning the bodies around. We see Radon's body, his head is missing. We see the, the pilot's body and his his green mask has been thrown off in the fall. And you see that it's just a skull beneath the mask. And I think most of the people around assume that somehow his skin was blown off in the mm. blast. But I think those of you who see it know.
1: There was never
0: skin. That there was never skin there. We see the couple, the man and the woman, their backs at at strange angles. Oof. And we see the body of Donald Brace. No! His back also broken. Burn marks... Scorching his face as you failed by more than one and
3: received in the blast radius.
1: Are you alive?
3: This might be a two injury card one. Which says minus
0: two to physical tests counts as two injury cards. Trade for on the mend as recipient of difficulty six for stayed success. If still in hand at the end of the scenario, trade for permanent injury. And so that makes three total injury cards. Can I do first aid push? He's already dead. He was dead before he hit the ground. And Manu and Percy are standing among the crowd. What? Seeing the scene before them. Because as they fell, they were their bodies were caught by the wind creatures and guided down to the ground. And that is where we are going to end our story. For now. This is the
1: weirdest (laughs) one that I've ever done.
2: Oh, no. The boys are not back in town. (laughs) Oh, my God.
3: I cannot believe it. I cannot believe it. The boys are gone. (laughs) I'll cancel uh, any call for a scene with... uh, Yeah. Tell (laughs) us, Sanderson. Wow. I do want (laughs) to give
0: anyone that wants it, including both Mikey and Tommy, a chance for a Coda scene. To describe either a, either a particular scene that happens over the next couple of days, or uh, just kind of a description of what the next couple of days are like, um, you know, for Manu and for Percy, that would be for yourselves. I think for for Mikey and Tommy, it can be anything you want it to be. Here,
1: I think Manu. I mean, she's like all panicky, you know, because I mean, she has time to panic, and all this happened. I think she's gonna like frantically just try to be like talking to Percy. I don't know if he's open to be talking, but like, she doesn't want to tell anyone else in her life what happened, but she can't like not be talking about it. If that makes
5: sense.
4: Yeah. And I think Percy for once in his life is serious and puts his arm around Manu and looks down at Donald's body and is clearly really shaken by all of this and just kind of says to her, just like he said, everything will be okay. And then pulls her away from the scene and sort of walks away into the city.
1: Hmm, oh God. And she's like, nothing nothing will be okay. Nothing will be all right. We have failed Paris. Maybe I need just to leave the city.
4: I think Percy's just very quiet, but I think in the in the coming days I think he sits down and tries to write actually good poetry to sort of memorialize his friends seriously, and maybe pays for a little memorial to, to Donald somewhere nearby, you know, that, that meant something to them.
1: I think Manu has like Essentially, invited herself to just be living in Percy's apartment. (laughs) Like he cannot get rid of her. She's like cannot be alone, but also like can't tell anyone else what happened. So she's just there, like sometimes crying, sometimes angry, sometimes like wanting to talk about it, and just like can't really. I don't know how many days. I think he.
4: I think Percy embraces this too. I think after their cafe incident, he's he had had enough of Manu and was a little bit sick of her. But I think. Um I think that's totally changed and I think unlike his, you know, puffery before he's very serious and you know, quiet and just kind of works on his writing. I do think he also sends um a telegram to his sister Genevieve just saying come home, things happened, talk soon.
1: Are there like police like do police try and talk to us? Like
4: Oh, I'm sure. Yes, I'm sure they do.
0: Um I mean, but I think I think they believe that there was some sort of accident with this craft which is not shocking yeah um, I think to them that this like mystical machine didn't work like they, I think they probably yeah assume that it exploded in the air mm-hmm. and that's what happened they don't really have an explanation for Radon's body being clockwork but you know but hey <laughs> they just kind of leave that one alone Uh, Mike you have a scene that you want to yeah. share with
2: us so I think they got there at like 6am right that was when they had to meet or whatever
0: uh, he said they were flying. They were leaving at seven, so like you know, six thirty or whatever.
2: All right. So let's say it's like five in the morning, bad mm-hmm. morning. Yeah. Hospital goes in, sits down. I couldn't sleep, but well, suppose that's to be expected. But with everything that's going on, God knows where we're going to end up today. But I thought I'd perhaps come by and ha, have a word. I, uh, I've been thinking, Montias. My problems with, with Manu here, I, simply asking, it's just not enough. A woman, woman like her deserves more. So uh, oh, you, you tell me uh, what you think of what I have so far here. Uh, my dearest, most beautiful Manu, my heart, indeed, is true for you. I don't think it's very good.
0: And I think at that moment, Donald, you actually... You're not sure whether it's in your head or there's something supernatural going on. But I think you hear Monty talk back to you.
3: Um, Monty also um, has been just scribbling as one of the things that he has been doing. So, and you can't even really make out the words that he's been scribbling. But for the first time in in since this incident happened a day or so before... His eyes kind of focus and seem like they are actually looking at you rather than past you. He still is not, his mouth is not moving, but you hear, you hear him in your head. Don, you are an absolute genius at architecture. But my friend, you cannot write for shit.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I thought I'd give it a try at least Uh, any advice. Just say the words you want to say. I, I think
3: she'll be terrified by what you've written. <laughs>
2: You're a son of a bitch, Montgomery Hart. You really, you really think it's that bad? Oh yes, yeah, Doc.
3: It's. <laughs> I know this will annoy you, but it's worse than what
2: Percy showed me.
5: Oh, please.
2: Uh, perhaps when the moment comes, I'll just think to myself. What would the famous author Montgomery Hogg say? I'll give that a try.
3: Can't say that's ever worked in the past, but there's a first time for everything.
0: And that is where we're going to end our story for now. Paris, October 3rd, 1895. Frances Anderson opened another drawer in Donald Braith's desk, pencils, a few coins in both French and American currencies, a prodigious bill from a wine store that luckily had been stamped as paid. She sorted through all of it, putting the respectable, valuable things in piles to be sent to the Braiths in America. The trash into trash bins, the books and clothes that could be donated to the needy, the pornographic literature that could not. The correspondence had its own pile, as there were several letters that she wanted to look at more closely, but simply didn't have the time for at present. The architectural work she had also kept for herself, just as she had carefully taken Monty's diary and placed it in her satchel, knowing she would spend hours reading it all, invading his most carefully guarded secrets, and cataloging every word, just in case there was more she hadn't been told, more she hadn't been part of. It was painstaking work that left her back cramping and her head aching from trying to read too much of her friend's terrible, terrible handwriting. And Frances tried to tell herself it was better than dwelling on what had actually happened, that there were tasks that had to be done by someone and it should be her. Who else could be trusted? Who else had known them better and wouldn't flinch at the guns in the Bureau or the scrawled descriptions of monsters and other horrors? She had written Donald's parents. They needed to be told what had happened to their son. That was a very bad day. Francis had not written Monty's parents. They did not need to know that their son was currently residing in the best sanatorium Aunt Helen's fortunes could provide. Monty, she told herself, would be fine. He had had bad spells before, and he had always come back. Even if this was different, even if this seemed so much worse, so much more unnatural than anything he had been lost in before, he would be fine because she absolutely refused to believe in any other possibility, and Paris owed her from all the time she had already helped to avert its disasters. She opened the next drawer, a hodgepodge of items she suspected had slowly accumulated out of Don's pockets, and which would take time to sort through. Time was good. She had time, and this would keep her from dwelling on the absolute fury that kept ricocheting back and forth in her breast. The accusations were always right there, just on the tip of her tongue, and only barely contained, sometimes directed at Donald, sometimes at Monty, and too often at herself. "'How dare you leave me, leave us?' You run away, you hide in your bottle, you both waltz back, you run straight into danger, and you don't give me a chance to let you think, to make a different choice where you might have survived. You deserved so much better. You should have had a chance to find the answers you were so desperate to find. You should have come to me if you needed to rest, if things were getting that bad. Why couldn't you let me help? Why did you shut me out again? Hadn't I proven myself? Francis had thought the worst thing that could happen was to call for help when that monster was rampaging through Yi and to receive only silence in response. It wasn't. The worst thing was being left here, never having had the chance to run to save them. She would have come. She would have raced at a moment's notice and thrown herself on the fire for them. Frances Anderson, after all, was the one who was always prepared. But now she didn't have a clue what was needed or how to find it. Casilda, Camilla, the ghost, the gargoyle, the terrible men in their flying machines... She only knew that she would burn their whole horrible alien world down if she had half a chance, and a match in her pocket. Paris, October 7th, 1895. Father Alex Sicard looked out at the crowd gathered at the cemetery for the final burial of Donald Braith. He hated that he had to be here, to be forced to preside over such a terrible ceremony. But it was the least he could do. He felt like he had failed Donald. Father Sakar didn't know whether Donald had been crazy or not. He had never found concrete evidence that Cecilia Braith had ever existed. But for some reason, he had always believed that she did. Or that she had. It didn't matter, though. It was too late now. Donald was dead, one way or another. Father Sicard looked out at the guests arriving as the rain turned the cemetery grounds into mud. He saw one of Donald's friends, Francis Anderson, walking alone through the rain with a satchel over her shoulder and an umbrella over her head. He wondered where Donald's other friend, Monty Hogg, was. He was surprised not to see him at the funeral. Father Sicard hoped nothing bad had happened to him as well. Donald's parents were there too. They had decided to have him buried in France rather than bring his body back to America. He thought it was a strange decision, but who was he to question it? Other art students made their way to the ceremony, though he didn't know many of them. Even the Catholics who attended the art school didn't make much time for Mass, let alone getting to know the local priest. Father Sicard didn't take much notice of any of them in particular until a pair of young women caught his eye. He assumed they too were art students, though he'd never seen them before. Both were dressed in all black, and they approached the rest of the gathered mourners arm in arm. Many of Donald's friends and family, Father Saccard had noticed, seemed more shocked than anything. Donald's death was so sudden and so tragic that it seemed almost too sad for tears. But these two were already crying as they approached, though no one else seemed to notice or attempt to console them. Perhaps it was the crying that had made them stand out in the first place, but something else made his gaze linger. They were both wearing hats with veils, their faces mostly shielded from view, but each had a ribbon tied into their hair, sticking out below the hats. The ribbons were so bright that against the dreariness of the weather and the sadness of the event, the contrast seemed almost bizarre. One of them, who was wearing a sleek black dress that looked too fashionable for a funeral, had a bright red ribbon in her hair. And the other, who was now crying so hard that Father Sicard couldn't understand how no one else was looking her way, was wearing a green one.
1: This podcast was created using the Yellow King RPG by Pelgrane Press and is based on an adventure written by Robin D. Laws, both used under the Pelgrane Press limited community use policy, along with the music from the Yellow King Suite written by James Semple. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMGpodcast on Twitter and Instagram or at NOMGpodcast.com. To support us on Patreon, please visit www.patreon.com slash NOMGpodcast.